<sighs> Man, we got to get Joel talking crazy is what we need to do. <laughs> Not going to happen. Oh, I looked up. Ben's, ben is recording the call. Might happen. You never know. Welcome to Practical Shooting Arc After Dark, everyone. We're here to talk about shooting. On deck tonight, the Korean brothers, Mr. Oh, Kim. Hello. And Mr. Park. Hello. Guys, it's getting towards, well, I'm, I think this, actually, this episode will drop in the new year, as a matter of fact. Uh, I think we already recorded one without you, so I think it'll be the second week in January. You know what? Who really cares? Uh, <laughs> well, there's not much going on. It is it is wintertime. Kim, you even had, like, single-digit temperatures? Yeah, this is the coldest time I've experienced in the U.S. since, what, 11 years living here now? Washington, where I live, doesn't really get too cold. It snows every year, but it doesn't go under, like, 20 degrees usually. But I had five, a five degree, and but Korea that's gets like proper cold, doesn't it? Yeah, uh, that's that's kind of typical uh, in Korea. Yes, uh, that's in Celsius for international listeners. For six degrees or five degrees in Fahrenheit will be negative sixteen, something like that, in Celsius. So pretty cold. Snowed crazy. Snowed sideways. Because it was a snowstorm with a windstorm combined. Yeah. It was very pretty on Christmas night. Well, that sounds yeah. awesome. Sounds Welcome to the pleasant. party, pal. That's the kind of weather that <laughs> happens in Nebraska all the time. For a couple months, in fact. Yeah. This was my wife's just... first year not meeting up with family. Because family lives in an hour away. Mm -hmm. And the road was bad enough not to go outside at all. So we're we're gonna do our. Oh, you guys don't have like uh, you don't have like an all-wheel drive deal or something, do you? Uh, I do S SUV. Yes, SUV. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, what the hell, man? But there's a pass. So where I live and to where the in-laws live, there's a big mountain pass. Oh. And that big mountain pass, I actually have tried before a couple of years back to pass that in the snow, and then I got my car uh, in the medium fell into the medium one time. Oh boy. Yeah. That's not what I want to hear. Do not pass go. Directly to jail. It's it's not really like I, I can drive very well in the snow. It's not my problem. The cars around me, you know, turn at me and look at me and, hey, I'm coming to you. We're in the same lane. I'm going to about to hit you. And I'm like, okay, full, full steer. So, so you guys will, you'll appreciate this. I mean, as you know, I'm a very experienced winter driver, not to... Not to toot my own horn, it's just a function of where I've lived my whole life uh -huh. um, and the amount of snow we get here. Uh, we actually had some of the gnarliest winter weather that I've ever seen in my life oh, as really? far as driving conditions. So uh, it was 25 degrees was the air temperature with rain. It wasn't a rain-snow mm, uh... mix like you would normally see. Yeah, it was rain. So me, like I've got a, a very good four-wheel drive truck for the winter. And I was going 25 miles an hour on the interstate because I had to go to the airport. And mm. it was like, man, like when it gets like 25 and raining and a sheet of ice, like it uh -huh. when, when I, wait, when I'm saying like, OK, this is gnarly, like watch yeah. out because it's gnarly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there was actually a, a, a pile up, an accident on the highway, um, maybe 10 miles from where I live. That was more than it, it involved more than 100 vehicles. What? Wow. Yes. It was more than 100 vehicles. They had five rescue helicopters on scene pulling people out of there. Like, it was fucked. Um, you know, 
Like that was that was pretty good. I mean, by good I mean bad. Obviously, I've never even yeah never never heard of that happening in real life. That's with crazy. with how with how slick it was, like I could see it. I mean, it was it was uh, genuinely rough. Anyway, guys, let's get to the show. Let's let's talk about shooting stuff, huh? If you say yeah, so. Sounds, that sounds good. okay. All right. Well, who's got a productive topic? You know, something useful for the listeners. Probably professor. That leaves okay, me well, out. I don't, I don't want that. So let's go to you, Joel. What do you got? <laughs> Such a turd. Um, <laughs> I actually have a show and tell. Well, a okay. bunch of them. Uh, I have Pro Shop Tim basically sent me every grip enhancer. I think the Pro Shop sells to uh, try out. And I guess part of my topic is also the Pro Shop now has a blog. So. Had that uh, for a while, by the way. I've written some uh, email blasts before. Right, but now they're just useful stuff. I'm kidding. <laughs> Son of a bitch! How dare you? A lot of people. Uh, a lot of people love my musings about the board. Okay, a lot of people are entertained by that, Joel. This is true. Uh, yeah. So if you want to like talk about or listen or read about shooting stuff, whatever. Uh, anyway, there's a couple. I don't know why some people listen. This was already a couple, and there's more on the way. So stuff like fitting your gun to your hands, picking grips. Um, including the dot. That was a hot one. Some people liked, um, what else? I've got one about coming about like how I set up my guns. So anyway, some stuff is obviously like products, the pro shop sells and some are just like general shooting stuff or like how I, uh, set up like practice to be productive stuff. I like, so well, one of anyway, your first ones was a troll post, wasn't it? It was not a troll post, sir. The, the occluded dot. I mean, you're doing that to provoke people, aren't you, Joel? I was, I <laughs> tell the I, truth. I don't want people to get better at shooting. I just want to get reactions. That's kind of the motivation, Ben. Okay, that's what I thought. Like, let's see who I could trigger. That's what I thought. Um, yeah, so anyway, there's some helpful shooting stuff, and then there's, uh, you know, some articles about products the Pro Shop sells. Uh, there will be one coming, oddly enough, for all these all these grip enhancers that Tim sent me. Um, so I'll be straight with you. I don't really have a favorite so far. I don't have enough to say to really say anything I don't think too intelligent. I basically, I already start up on the dry fire. So I dry fire every day or maybe twice a day. And uh, so I just keep kind of changing products every time. And I don't really have a strong favorite so far. Uh, the Petzl and the Liquid Grip, I neither one I'd ever used before. They're a bit more, I don't know, I guess liquid or thin, um, I suppose is the way to say it compared to the grips and pro grip is a little bit more tacky or more gel-like but otherwise i don't know they all work well so uh, i've got more testing before i have more intelligent stuff to say but that'll be coming in the future uh ben i want to say you do have the petzl stuff also right i apparently it's the same stuff as the jedlinski stuff his is the petzl stuff he just puts his own sticker over the front yeah yeah i like yeah. i've used that stuff i've used the that stuff and i like it it's it's uh uh, the the what I really like is the tube lasts a long time, which is very nice. It um, does. The so only thing good. I didn't like was this is not pocket sized at all. So no, no, not at all. Um, I don't know. I might try like putting it in smaller containers or something like that to see if that works out. But otherwise, uh, I really like them all, and I don't have any of them I dislike. God damn it, Joel. <laughs> You're right. I'm that's sorry. not useful in any way. You got to start talking some smack, man. That's why I said I need to oh. actually use them more before I have anything intelligent to say. Uh, the liquid grip I thought was interesting that it's almost kind of tacky. I don't. I definitely don't like liquid grip as much as I like pro grip. Really? I like. 
Correct. I mean, that's me. Pro Grip, I like. It does dry out fast in the container and, mm -hmm. you know, that type of deal. Do you a shake annoying. your Pro Grip before you use it? What do you think, Joel? Yeah, you don't. You don't. <laughs> I noticed, like, it's. it felt like it needed to be shaken before I used it. So, uh, it's the the Petso, is, is that how you say it? Yes, what? I think so. I, I heard a rumor it kills COVID. Oh, that was what Mason said. Yes. Mason has, like a Mason has COVID right now. <laughs> Maybe he should start wearing his mask, stop being such a science denier, because he's got the Omicron right now as we speak. Well, if he's using Petso, why didn't it kill it? I think you have <laughs> to drink it. That's what I want to know. I think you have yeah, to drink he, it. He probably does have to drink it. But after this, he's going to join the Natural Immunity Master Race with me, so uh, he should be good to go moving forward. Thank you for that unsolicited testimonial. Uh, what? I thought it was interesting also with this Petzl stuff, how many people have messaged me that absolutely love using it and like heavy hitter guys, like Max Latu Leap messaged me. I think he actually listens to the show, but Max said he really like, he uses stuff, he likes it. Uh, John and, and I should say this about oh, Max's opinions. Um, imagine a guy like you, Joel, who is a lot more direct and a lot less nice, but he trains even harder. So you're gonna get good opinions out of Max, uh, honestly. Well, like if Max, Max says, if shooting. Max, if Max says something, I listen. I do too, Max. And I don't listen oh. to many people, but I listen to Max. And while I'm just uh, plugging my own stuff, Max will be coming on Training Group Live podcast in the very near future. Awesome. So yes. if Max Latulip, 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 it's French for Deathstalker, maybe. For. <laughs> Might be. Max so is I, fan he's fantastic. Yeah. I have a question for you, Joel. Yeah. Which one lasts longer once you apply it? I. I don't know yet. I don't honestly like all of them lasted long enough for dry fire that I never had an issue. Okay. Uh, the liquid grip was tacky, like almost like my hands kind of like stick together. And so that was like, that was way different uh, than the other ones. The liquid grip and the pedestal are definitely more liquidy or thinner mm -hmm. and pro grip and grips are almost interchangeable to me. And I've used the grip stuff for a few years, the double alpha stuff. And up until recently, that was, I strongly preferred that. But I, I use Prince Grip. Prince Grip Plus is now yeah. what they make. Is that the, the tennis brand, I think? Yes. The tennis players, it, actually what it is, is same copy of Pro Grip. The Pro Grip and Prince Grip, they feel the same to me. Uh, the Prince Grip Plus now is just edit sanitizer in it, so it kills COVID too. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the reason why I use it mainly is because of the price point. I okay. got it six dollars per bottle oh where'd you buy it from kim is that like an amazon buy uh it's uh like tennis, tennis warehouse shop? or something like that okay. yeah. i used the print stuff for like three or four years pretty much exclusively when it was for whatever reason i could get it cheaply and easily and then i remember that it kind of like went away from from wherever i was buying it i don't try that you know me i don't try that hard at this stuff and and then i switched back to pro grip is that the same stuff that's wilson branded I think it is. I think yeah. I think chemically the uh, the Prince and the Pro Grip were very very similar. Yes. Is the Prince stuff made by Wilson though? Because like I remember having something like a red tube that had Wilson logo on it. I, I don't know. It's probably made by. They're probably Prince the, is made by Prince. Prince okay. Probably the Prince and Wilson stuff are made in the same Chinese factory and just branded differently. If I had to guess. Yeah. I used that stuff for a while just because it was on Amazon and I needed it immediately at the time. That's what happened. Like, did they take prints off of Amazon? I'm gonna 
I, yeah. I apologize. The for regular the print script is discontinued. I'm going to click so, and clack a little bit here. Yeah. If, if listeners trying to buy regular print script, you're going to pay a lot of money because it's discontinued and the price is up. But okay. if you get print script plus, which is a sanitizer version, they like they, that's the new version. And I found it six dollars. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, I only I use the stuff like that actually ago. contains COVID in the bottle. That's the stuff I buy. <laughs> uh huh. Uh, also, I've had just some people message me like, "Oh, should I be using that stuff?" If you uh, if you haven't tried using some form of grip enhancer, <laughs> you at least need to. It seems like every class that I do, like almost everyone. There's some dude in the class that like can't hang on to his gun properly. Hands are super sweaty. Then you just pull out the pull out the pro grip out of your pocket, like, dude, try this. And they put it on there and they're like, oh, that really works. It's like, Jesus, man. Like, you like if if your gun's sliding around inside of your hands when you're trying to do something, you you need to fix that. You either need to change the the way like the gun itself, you know, what the texture is on it, or you need to put some pro grip on, or maybe both. Like your gun should not be sliding around inside of your hands. The That's only just not time play. you maybe don't need it is if you have one of those, like the PT, the metal grips that like almost just destroy your hands instantly. Mm -hmm. Those maybe your hands stick to that enough. But or also, if you shoot on a range that's sand, like you yeah. might shoot on a range that's like beach sand. You just pick that up and use it. That's fine. Um, but but the, then you go to a different range and you have a problem. The whole point is just drying out your hands. Well, it's basically alcohol is like what it is. You're just yeah. drying out your hands, and that way your hands stick together, and then they stay put on the gun. That's the whole point. So that way when the gun recoils, the gun and your hands all kind of recoil together, as opposed to the gun recoiling inside of your hands, or your strong hand staying on the gun while it recoils, and your sport hand kind of separating from that. So anyway, uh, there'll be a blog post coming in the future once I have more intelligent things to say or a strong preference uh, about them. But if you're not using some form of liquid grip, you should be. And uh, there's other useful nonsense on the on the Pro Shops blog. So uh, if you just go to the BenStickerProShop.com, there you kind of scroll down. There's a a button for blogs. So anyway, awesome. Yeah, Mr. Kim. Yes. So Far away, buddy. I want to talk about poppers. <laughs> oh baby. Oh, shit. Uh, so long time ago, we when the popper calibration rule was changing, we kind of talked about it. And the one thing I said on the podcast was... Did it change? Was, or did they just like, they mm -hmm. put a little repeat on it? Just, exactly. Just do it twice. I so I was talking about preventative measure. So it's basically preventing the first place. So nobody really needs popper calibration. I mean, that's the better situation. Uh, so I recently listened to the NROI podcast. The second episode was about the popper calibration, things like that. And then they they kind of repeated what I said, which is ROs should be uh, paying attention to the popper and perhaps every squad change, they should be recalibrating, uh, not, not to the detail of shooting at it and calibrating it, but more like checking it per se. Mm -hmm. And that got me into thinking, is there other preventative measures we can think about? So I started thinking, uh, now we already talked about ro's perspective to make a preventative measure but it could be stage designer and the match director so i was thinking uh first of all uh if a lot of the times when the popper calibration or popper doesn't go down the shot may be slightly lower than the center of the popper right 
So if the stage designers use more of a partial popper, where some nationals I saw, it's a big wall with a small circle or hole in it, and there's a popper through it. So you're well, like hardcover, you mean? Like just covering the bottom half? It could be bottom half. Yeah, it could be bottom half wall. So you're shooting the top part of the calibration zone. Or it could be a whole big wall has a circle hole in it and there's a popper behind it. So you're basically shooting it. It's the size of a plate. But the base of the popper is hiding uh, behind the wall. So basically those kind of hardcover uh, partial dub poppers can force people to shoot it properly in the calibration zone. So I think that could be one preventative like in terms of stage designers uh, perspective. And in terms of like match designers perspective, they can kind of set aside so-called bad mechanical poppers where some mechanical popper can have a better design, like a hook system. It drops more consistently. Some of them maybe hinge system, maybe not going back uh, inconsistently, not falling inconsistently. Then they can kind of determine that. And then of course you want to use the better mechanical popper at, at most. But if there's a far popper shots, like 25 yard popper, for example, choose the best knocking one, best mechanical popper that falls very consistently. And also like a activating popper as well. Because the reason is if the popper is really far away, the time it takes to calibrate that, like walking back and forth, checking the mechanical, like the hinge and all that, it'll take longer time. So by having a so-called worse popper closer shot and longer shot poppers to be a more consistent knocking ones that'd be i think a pretty good idea so i think these are the pre preventative measure for the poppers for not ro's but stage designer and match directors i totally agree uh and i guess to compliment my club's pretty good about a lot of things uh the way they run matches and construction i think is, is pretty above average um <laughs> One thing we've done is we actually build a platform. It'll be like on a, on like on a on a board or whatever, some kind of like a a platform they'll build, and then they'll actually tighten like attach the popper to it, and they don't have to worry about the popper. If it's like on a bay where it's gonna be like muddy, yeah, or sand, or they think the ground's gonna shift, they'll like build a platform under it to make sure it's not going to sink in or shift mm -hmm. if it's like not a not a not a good terrain. If that makes sense, it, I mean. Idea. I'm, I'm sorry, guys. I have to be the a-hole to say this. Don't do this it. This is like, this is not surprising. I didn't listen to this podcast, but not surprising. The DNRI podcast is going to talk about all of this ancillary issues around popper calibration instead of actually talking about popper calibration. So, when all of these very reasonable steps that you guys are talking about to make sure the poppers fall down, when those steps fail. Popper calibration is the backstop, right? That is the mm -hmm. kind of the thing that is supposed to save the competitor and make sure they get a fair shot at the stage. Um, it, it makes sense. Like those guys are like, that's why they have a stupid process to do that. And then they want to talk about all these things that, oh, well, you know, they should have set it on a plywood base and used a better popper design and blah, 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 blah. Just remember, popper calibration is is supposed to be like the the thing to save you uh, at the end of the day. And obviously it, it doesn't work properly. It is stupid. It does save you, Ben. That's why you shoot it. It's best eight out of 10 or whatever it is. Best eight out of 10. But that's what they should. 
Or 10 out of 12. I don't know what the number is, but what like no what nobody's been able to explain to me ever, <laughs> ever is like so you have a situation where that you have a popper that didn't fall down when it was supposed to, or whatever. There's and why would I shoot it again to determine what's gonna happen? Nobody's explained that to me. Now in the 1980s, when everybody who was competitive and you know trying to do well was shooting major, and uh, you know, and you have a popper that doesn't fall down, the the, uh, the range master comes out and just dings it with a little nine millimeter minor gun, and it doesn't fall down. You just look at the guy like, yeah, fuck you. Like that was maybe the right answer in the 1980s. Nowadays, when we have divisions where people actually compete shooting nine millimeter minor guns. Uh, it's not the right answer anymore, and it's uh, well, you know, it's it's sad to, to see like that. Yeah. Like they're they're just not willing to you know adapt to the so uh, rules the, like that is actually keeping away from people's wish. Like one of the wish when I talk to shooters is to be able to shoot more stages in the same given time or maybe shorter time. So like in IPSC, like uh, Extreme Open, you shoot ten stages in a half day. But yeah, that when US. I shot the when I shot the Polish Open, it mm -hmm. was nine stages in about four hours. Yeah, <laughs> and then the next day you go back, it's nine stages in like four hours. And this rules like the calibration, double calibration rule is keeping <laughs> keeping us away so from it. Yeah. It's so stupid. Uh, oh well. Well, I'm glad you listened to the DNRI podcast. We should have you talk to the other guy that listens to that, and you guys can kind of get together, and maybe write a review. Yeah, because I don't think anyone else is going to listen. <laughs> Joel, your your face was blank. I thought that was very funny. I'm actually going to say something spicy that I well, probably that I normally would not say. Shit, let, wait. I want to get my phone out to record this too. I know. All right, go. <laughs> well, I was actually listening to a. Uh, it was a. It was actually a Hunter's HD Gold podcast. They had one at Nationals. It was live, and they're like, they had a the head of DNROI, and I think they had. Who was like Jake and Troy, a couple guys on that, and they actually made a joke about, uh, about a, at a at a competitor's expense that possibly could have been a national champion, but he wasn't because of a popper issue. Yeah, they and find they, that funny. They yeah, they like, like it. Like honestly, that I was very well. I was triggered enough. I called Ben like immediately, and I was like, "Hey, guess what?" Really? So like, yeah, on a podcast. Yeah, and I'm just like, yeah, dude, they're laughing at you. Like Brian Conley, like. He's a really nice guy when you talk to him, but he's um, he sees what a lot of people see and he doesn't really like it. I thought it was very telling when he interviewed Sherwin and he noticed that Sherwin at the Area 3 match, who sets it up to be a bit of a fucker match, like I'll be real. He he noticed Sherwin like smiling, grinning that somebody couldn't knock down like some 40 yard mini popper or whatever. And sure, he he noticed Sherwin taking delight a little bit in this guy's frustration and ask him about it. Um, and I I don't that stuff is so foreign to me. Like I don't understand that as far as why that would be amusing for you to sort of take joy in people having a hard time. Or like to me, if I, I know like, hey, if 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 I put a, a 40 yard mini popper in my match, it's gonna frustrate a lot of people, period. Huh. I just know that's going to happen. Like, I maybe I'm going to put it there, maybe not. But I know if it, if I put it there, people are going to be frustrated. It's like taking glee in frustrating people instead of testing people, giving them like a, you know, something to kind of try to sink their teeth into, try to figure out the best way to do it, that kind of thing. Like, I don't really get that. But 
some people are sadists. Like, you know, some people are into weird shit. <laughs> yeah. But anyway. Uh, some people are into foot stuff, Kim. Like, I don't know. <laughs> like, I'm not one of those people. I don't really understand them. But they're there. Joel, I'm sorry. I can't help it. I know. Uh, but anyway, yeah, I, I don't think they see a problem with the rules since they were making jokes at the expense of another competitor that had a, uh, you know, quite a terrible time at the expense of that rule. Yeah, so. we Oh, I mean, we make we make jokes all the time at, at the Wisconsin section match. We were making all sorts of jokes, but none of the jokes were about like how people were if they had a hard time with this or they you know made a mistake on that. Like that shit's not it's not funny to me. There's nothing funny about it to me. Yeah. Like I no, don't absolutely I don't find that amusing watching people struggle. It's just like I usually just want to go walk onto a different bay it's like oh, i don't want to watch this like when somebody's gums like not working it's like yeah i don't i don't even want to be here for this well we even had a serious so, conversation before the match started like what's the most difficult shot here is that too difficult should it be adjusted like where are people going to have misses at you yeah. know it was like a very real assessment like yeah, are like, these targets all reasonable challenge and is there anything here that's too difficult or or that's random where it becomes a crapshoot that's what i i don't like that i don't yep. like it when it becomes a crapshoot i agree all right well joel you're a nice guy yeah what can i say you kind of balance me out this is true I, i'm kidding you're not you're nowhere near nice enough to balance me out buddy oh i was gonna say i was nowhere near being nice i was gonna be like okay that's cool no you're pretty nice whatever sometimes uh oh. ben i think you have a show and tell i do so these uh very nice Walther pistols. Um, the PDP for shooting these, trying it. Uh, I'm enjoying, I definitely enjoy the, uh, I, well, what, well, I should say this. I like the trigger. What I thought would be a problem is reloading them. It hasn't really been a problem. Like, not to toot my own horn, but I can kind of reload these like a boss when I'm on my, when I'm on my game. Um, so I put some dots on these to try them. And now the uh, these PDPs are equipped with the, uh, what is this, the 509Ts? Is that is that right, Mr. Yeah. Kim? Yes. So uh, I haven't, I don't want to act like I've shot the hell out of these dots with live ammunition. It's the winter here. That's not really going to happen for a while. But I've definitely played with them enough to form something of an intelligent opinion. And I have to say, it's not an SRO. <laughs> that's, so? my, tell me, that's my review of this dot well i i like i like the dot i like i mean it seems functional and everything and i like the holosun products like on the rifles the 510s mm -hmm. they're they're much bigger they work great on the rifles i like the reticle a lot uh as well it has the 65 mil ring with the hash marks and then the yep. dot in the center mm -hmm. uh that works great on the rifles um, for this, I, I do have the ring with the hashes and the dot in the center. I don't think that's necessary for pistols at all. Like it's, I would prefer just a plain dot. That's one thing. And then the other thing is it, the window's just smaller. It's not, it's, it's not as big as an SRO or something like that, which, uh, I would, I would definitely prefer. Um, but that having been said, it's, it's functional. Now I think these are expensive, right? These are like 500 bucks for these things. I think it's somewhere around three to four hundred. I thought that too, but I looked it up and it was. I thought it was five hundred. Dot clarity and size okay? Do those starburst? Or do they look, you know, round like a like dot? I, I mean, I haven't been out in the sun with it like for a, for a bunch of time, so I, I don't know if the starburst is as good or as bad. I mean, it's 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 likely not as bad as an SRO it, as far as pointing it into the sun. It's probably better. Um, 
but there's there's no uh, there's no replacement for having a bigger window, in my estimation. Yep. I agree. What do they say with engines? There's no replacement for displacement. Displacement. <laughs> kind of the same <laughs> thing. Exactly it's, like, it's like yeah, it's like yeah, it's like it's a it's nice or whatever, but uh, it's not an SRO. Very cool. So that's what I have to say about the uh, the uh, show and tell. How much did you pick a, a price on that, Mr. Kim? Three fifty on Amazon. That's cheap. So that's good. Mm -hmm. Oh, and training group members, uh, Ben, you've dropped at least one or two videos with those guns. You dropped a first yeah. impression gun, and I think you had a dry fire session with them. I think I did. Yeah, mm -hmm. I did. Okay. Now I do like this. I definitely like the PDP better than the steel frame gun, just as far as the aesthetic. The uh, not the aesthetics, the uh, ergonomics of it. What about reloading? Like you said, you can load it fast. Is it the the shape of the mag? Because the magazine, well, it's aluminum or plastic. It's plastic. So um, I thought I thought I wouldn't like it just because I mean it's not it's not a big super funneled hole. It's mm -hmm. not. But for whatever reason, it just agrees with me. You know. Now the easiest to reload guns that I have are Glocks. I think, and it's not close. Like those are definitely the easiest to reload. I think. Um, but uh, it, I mean, this is consistent with your experience, guys. Yeah, about the reload, the insertion part. I agree. Glock is very easy, mm -hmm. but the magazine falling off. PDP did like a spring-loaded follower thing, and it just pops out so aggressively. It'll, it'll, yeah. If you lie the gun completely sideways and push the button, it'll still shoot out. Jecto Cito, oh, almost. <laughs> but Glock, yeah. when I lay it sideways and then push the button, it doesn't yeah. come off at all. Yeah. No, that's true facts. I think you have to hit it with the uh, silicone lube before you go to a match. Yeah, mm -hmm. I learned that. What extendo base pads do you have? Are those? I have the Henning pads. I the the magazine you're you're seeing here is not an extendo magazine. This is the factory one. But I have I have Henning pads and the. Uh, Whatever, I have whatever Kim told me to buy. Uh, Grimm's, Grimm's spring Yeah, so when it comes to certain things, you're just like, hey, Kim, what do I do? And he's just <laughs> like, hey, do this. I'm like, okay, cool. That yeah. kind of fucked me. Actually, uh, when I got my Glocks and put SROs on them, I was like, hey, what do I buy? And he said, the SRO 2.5, boy. And I was like, okay, cool. Then I get it, and then he changes his mind a year later. He's like, no, it's the five, <laughs> five is the deal now. I'm like, well, <laughs> if you need your money back out of those, I'll just take them both. Give me my money then. Yeah, like I'll just take those. You can't so, find those dumb things. Now, now that I have the the optic front cover, the target focus shooting train or whatever, I yeah. forgot the name of. It's from uh, Stonebridge Gunworks. Yes. After that, uh, I'm shooting whatever 2.55. I don't see any notice because the big reason I wanted to go five was because in the sun it can get washed out, mm -hmm. and with that cover in the front, completely black cover. And that makes the brightness of the dot super consistent. So the problem with me is in Washington, I don't see the sun at all. It's very rare to see the sun. But when I shoot in Florida, for example, the sun's right in my eye sometimes. And having that cover makes the dot brightness uh, about the same. So like I have to dial up in Florida if I don't have a cover and dial it down in Washington. But now I just set one brightness, uh, shoot in the shade, shoot in the sun, uh, shoot indoors, brightness doesn't really change. Yeah, so five, I like it. yeah, I'm I'm shooting two point five right now actually. <laughs> oh, in the pro shop to keep shilling more. I'm just shilling stuff all <laughs> night. Shill. 
uh, the pro shop is selling those uh, target folks target focused trainers from now guys i do think we should talk about there's some pushback on these the target focused trainers yeah or that type of thing um matt matt pranka our good friend good friend mm-hmm. of the show mm-hmm. uh he made a little troll post say so he he's pointing out like hey this triggers people mm-hmm. that the dots being covered really triggers people and i why here's my question why is that triggering people mr kim you've been shooting mm-hmm. dots a long time why yes. do people get triggered by this? A lot of times they, do. they get upset. They do. Yeah, it's a knowledge retention issue often case. So if you don't understand, you either kind of forget about it or make a fool of it. So it de- depends on who you are and how wise you are. <laughs> <laughs> That's my answer. <laughs> God damn. It depends on how wise so you're saying. The people pushing back on it are dumb. Like just to translate. That's not what he said. He said they're not. Oh, he said, wise. I'm sorry. He's saying they're ignorant. They're not wise. <laughs> if you are a true learner, uh, typically wasting your time to make full of some concept is uh, not a productive use of your time. Shit. I mean, I I make fun of stuff all the time, Kim. I feel like you're speaking to me directly. Well, uh, if I could add my two cents also. Yeah, there's a lot of people that think it's dumb or they don't, whatever. All I would just say is just try it. Like, All I, right. us, for us, it's been, go ahead, what we're going to say, Ben. Well, I, I I could give a little more detailed take. So sure. if you're an experienced dot shooter and a really good dot shooter, you occlude the dot and then you shoot a little bit and you're like, yep, I understand what's happening here. If I focus on the dot i can't see the can't see the uh the target any i can't see the target anymore that's not the right thing to do i want to do the right thing uh yes I, they and they get it right away oh. now and, and the reason that matt pranka specifically has bought into occluding the dot so much is because when he came he came out i think in 20 early 2020 uh shot with me when he wanted to start learning a dot i showed him some stuff and talked about some things and i said all right uh you want to make sure you don't focus on the dot that's obvious, but then there's circumstances where you're going to start doing it, whether you want to or not. And this is true with dots and irons. Like under certain circumstances, you will start focusing on the site when you don't want to. So for example, if you're threatened by the shot, like you perceive the shot as difficult, then you send 10 to tunnel in on the site. If you mount the gun early and kind of pre-aiming coming into a target, like, uh, and you can't see through a wall, like when you mount the gun, and you start seeing your sight, whether it's a dot or an iron sight, you see your sight, you're like, oh, I'm going to aim. And then you, this subconscious is like, well, if I'm if, if aiming is good, aiming better is, is even better. And you start tunneling in on that sight. Um, if you're leaning around something, the shooting circumstance gets awkward. A lot of times, boom, you start tunneling in on that sight. So occluding the dot for, for 10 minutes and shooting just stand and shoot drills sends one message. But then if you shoot a lot of very different exercises under a lot of different circumstances with the dot occluded, you tend to see, um, you, you, you tend to get a lot better picture of when you're focusing on the site when you don't mean to, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And just kind of sticking with it a little longer can be very valuable. Uh, if yeah. I could also add what people think they do and what actually happens is not always the case. Uh, and that rule applies to me as well. So I got my CO guns last winter. So I've had them maybe just roughly a year. Um, and when I took them out and I started shooting them, I was like, oh, I mean, obviously I'm 
Like I'm a GM guy. I, I'm okay at shooting, I guess, whatever. I understand, like, don't stare at the dot target. Fo- I understand all that crap. But then when I'm shooting drills with a lot of target, uh, you know, distance difficulty changes where I've got easy targets and difficult targets and open targets and partials and all these difficulties changing. And I play back the video, both third person and first person for my GoPro. It's quite apparent to me that what I thought was happening isn't what's happening. And I noticed that a little bit behind the gun because I would notice imprecise target transitions. I would notice the like the gun coming over and the dot like kind of swinging past the target and coming back. Well, I don't do that with iron sights. Why am I doing that with the dot? So I kind of like, you know, through paying attention to my own video, I realized what I thought I was doing wasn't what I was really doing. And I was really looking really carefully at the results. So for somebody that maybe goes out and just blasts and doesn't really like play back the footage in their brain, kind of thinking about what had happened or really reading into the results. I mean, somebody could do this and not realize they're doing it. It's not super apparent. You have to really, really pay attention to what's happening and diagnose videos and your targets to see what's, you know, what's occurring. Good example is a plate rack. A lot of times when they when they start shooting, what plate rack has six plates. The first one, two, three, uh, a lot of people have good target focus, specific spot on the plate, start shooting. And then now they start to track the site or track the dot and the vision focuses on that. And then the later shots, you can go ting, 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 boom, boom, ting, boom, ting, boom, <laughs> something yes. like that. Uh, this can definitely help you isolate the vision part. So there's definitely some uh, vision longevity too. Like because you're able to target focus shoot on a uh, two shot target, it doesn't mean you can do that on a six shot. So a lot of times it could be build drill. It could you shoot first two three shots and going through the similar holes, and then you start opening up. Then maybe you are now visually focusing on the dot or the front side to track that rather than have vision focus on the specific spot and blurry things and then you're kind of yeah you can still track it with the blurry sights with the vision focus on the specific spot but the problem is people when they think they're going to track it their visual focus is now going to the front side and then now focal convergence where the right eye and left eye is converging into the site rather than converging into the target so having that optic cover can help you maintain that focal convergence to the target rather than the sight. But yeah, right now I, I'm, I've been using it for a lot while, uh, not because I'm still trying to train target focus, but the reasons I already explained about the uh, dot brightness, it actually helps me a lot to have the same brightness of the dot and clarity of the dot. It helps me be more predictive when, especially in target transition, I can see the dot coming in in the same brightness in my peripheral vision when I'm doing target transitions. So in this kind of case, sometimes if it's a very bright in the sun, uh, my dot doesn't wash enough. out in the sun. Exactly. If it's washed out, it's very, very fuzzy dot coming in from my peripheral vision. Uh, sometimes it's not as it's basically that's not what I trained with. So it's not as predictive in the case. So having the same brightness of the dot actually helps me to be more predictive very, very well. I can tell when it's going to stop on the target. I've had one of my training guns covered for almost a year. And the reason I've left it covered is because if I'm using it in class, like somebody will ask and, you know, then we have a conversation that's usually a good thing. Uh, the other thing I, well, one reason I strongly prefer that Stonebridge Gunworks cover is I, like Kim was saying, I strongly prefer having the backs of the lens being completely black. I tried the paster where it's kind of tan or different colored tape. And I ended up at the end, I was using electrical tape because I like like completely back black background against the red dot 
makes it really jump out and really easy to see. Yeah. So, um, and then we should have the standard disclaimer. When's the times you don't use it, Ben? On a on a tough lean, a low port, anytime you think that you're not going to be able to have both eyes able to see the target or your vision's going to be obstructed. Is that fair? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, guys, I think this was... Uh... Well, this part was good. Should we should we talk about what's going on with the board at all? You guys really like Tyler Turner's letter to the BOD. If people missed it, <laughs> Mr. Kim, you're laughing. <laughs> yeah. So what's your read on what's going on with the board? Like you're not as like I would say I'm one of the more aggressive voices on Instagram. A lot of mm -hmm. memes, a lot of trolling, you know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But you're pretty reasonable. People listen to you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think right now there's a lot of people i'm seeing uh actually having a better idea than what the bod is doing so if if we go back on this uh side covering thing too like the window covering on the red dot yeah some people are not actually having a better idea and then making their voice out to you know tell people hey there's actually a better idea than this no 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 some people are just so to say, shitting on an idea without a better concept or better idea or better knowledgeing people. So I'm seeing a lot of the people posting uh, what they're sending to the board members or people talking about it with a genuinely better idea, in my opinion, that actually focuses more on nonprofit organization body, uh, focusing on more members than making it as a business no longer member focus, but actual money focus. And as I am seeing this post on the social media, I am seeing a lot of people actually put more thoughts into this. It's not like, hey, I don't like this rule. Or maybe some people send that message. Maybe, that, I, like, I mean, that, mm -hmm. you know me, I, I tend to try to communicate with my audience with with memes, with broad ideas, because mm -hmm. um, when, when, when I, me and Matt declared war on the establishment. I, I was one man. I was one man. And I said, hey, Hopkins, this is how it's going to go down. And and Hopkins didn't even really believe it was going to go down the way I said it was going to go down. Mm -hmm. But by communicating with memes and letting some time pass. Yeah, we brought I've, I've tried to bring more people like so they kind of see what's happening. They get the bigger picture. And then the really smart guys like Bill, Bill uh, Godbold, the uh, our, our man in area four, Tyler Turner, like we've got smart guys, like legitimately smart guys making intelligent posts now. And that's starting to kind of fill in for people, uh, the gaps like, hey, yes. if the if the board's this fucked up, like what's the real solution? And people are kind of starting to get the picture. Yes. So the motivation usually lies into either analysis or a joke. <laughs> and I go with the jokes, baby. <laughs> we know. <laughs> well, it's it it's like humor is very effective. Like when mm -hmm. you just mock people um, or mock ideas, like uh, you know, it's it sends the message so quickly. Like as far as I'm concerned, if I can't communicate it to you in a meme, I can't communicate it at all. But definitely, uh, even if it's a joke. If it has meaning of improvement, that's a good thing. Of course. That's the key word, improvement. And a lot of people are start to seeing, hey, first of all, there's an issue here. 
either it could be a board member or the new bylaw change or the opti cover. And then people are actually analyzing things and coming up with improvements. I mean, opti cover, a lot of people are not getting improvements because <laughs> this is an improvement. But in terms of what people are uh, doing right now, uh, I'm really excited to see because now people's voice is getting louder and louder and people not just kind of backseat kind of <laughs> click and then quit. It's more like click. Oh, really? And then study. And then let's see what they're really trying to do. And this is wrong. Then let's do this. So I really think USPSA is going in a good way, uh, not not in terms of bylaw change itself, but actually people's participation, not yes. just participating in shooting, but participating in their beloved organization. And and I'm going to put you both on blast a little bit right now because mm -hmm. you're both nice guys. But but people don't like certain things that are happening. Like neither mm -hmm. of the two of you participate in your own area match. Yeah, I don't. I just because of the way it's run. It wasn't exactly. the match for me. But you guys don't run around and bitch about it. You just don't go. And people I, don't see it. Yeah. They don't get it. I could have and a I would have a comp uh competitor spot where I wouldn't even pay for it and it's two hours from my house and it still wasn't the match for me. I just wouldn't go. Yeah. And it's like it's it's gotten to the point where like again, you guys know me, I'm fairly confrontational. So like me being maybe the first guy to start saying some of the more spicy things. That makes it okay for other people to say it. And now we've really started a conversation. Things are really happening. The next few years are going to be very exciting. Very yes. exciting. Yeah, I see a lot of change this year. Uh, first of all, like this is the first year I actually canceled area match. A uh, previous match uh, was COVID and I shot every area one match until then. But this year I was signed up and I didn't shoot it. Why? Because the match was not worth shoot, shooting. It's something that I wanted to support. There was a lot of problems at Area 1. So I actually talked to the section coordinator for, for the first time, actually, uh, about this match's problem. And then also, when I actually go to the local match and even major match, there's things that happened kind of uh, by granted, in a way, like not following the rule and people kind of going easy on it, per se. But now I start to see people actually saying, hey, this is this is not the right rule or hey, this is wrong. Of course, there was an incident in my local match where uh, this range officer was giving a reshoot. And also, I w I'm certified RO, although I wasn't the RO. And I have a, had a squad mate also certified RO, but not wasn't RO, wasn't an RO. But both of us were raising voices. Hey, this is not a reshoot. This is yeah. the wrong rule. The shooter is supposed to know the reading description because he shot one-handed uh, and uh, sh shot both-handed in one-handed stage and he didn't know about it. He doesn't get a reshoot. So kind of raising the voice, things like that. And nationals too. There was doubles on the swinger. That was really far away. Tough uh. one. And shooters now start raising voice. Hey, this is not a double. Like You, sh you should take a look at it one more time. Things like that. I, I think people are getting the picture that mm -hmm. this is going to be like NSSF or NRA Action Pistol 20 years down the track if they don't fix this situation now. 
Yes. You know, like it's a generational thing. There's a lot of uh, guys that, you know, run the show that have different motivations than the, the uh, other people, you know. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it is a lot of this is our fault. I mean, I, I haven't, you know, put people said a lot, but like all of us, like like we've been around a while. Like we're capable of doing things. And like for me, I, I've spent so much of my time wrapped up in being the best shooter I could be. Like I wasn't worried about helping or how things get run. And it's like, no, like some of us have to step up. And I mm-hmm. like thankfully that's happening. People that's are getting point. people are getting off the bench and into the game. No, I mean, there's very smart people in USPSA. I mean, I've learned so much traveling around. I I mean, I've been traveling around for more than 10 years doing classes, meeting guys that are coming to classes. Uh, you know, I, we meet people from all walks of life. I learn a lot about a lot of things. I learn a lot about the world, tra- you know, and and I see how many smart people there are in USPSA. And a lot of that, in a lot of places, there's guys that are, maybe they're dummies, maybe they're assholes. And and they they run, they run their club, they run their match, they run whatever. Like they're in charge of a thing and and, the 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 guys that should be running it for whatever reason they don't they they kind of sit on the sidelines and they let it be dysfunctional and they don't do anything about it and they're seeing now like hey we got to step up we got to do something about this because we have i mean there's people that have a lot to offer and they just sit on the sidelines so we got to get them off the bench and into the game and uh i i'm seeing that start to happen so that's quite good Guys, I think that's a great time to end. Love it. Yes. Oh, yes. Uh, listeners, if you have a question you'd like the answer to, go to go to bensticker.com. Send me your question. Uh, or if you have some memes you want to send me, hit me on Instagram. Send me your memes. I will drop them, especially if they're funny. Tanfo Timmy's <laughs> feeding me a lot of memes lately. It's great. I love it. <laughs> I'm following you every day. 